From rolling dice and drawing cards to solving puzzles and opening locks. For beginners who are new to games, as well as experienced players who want something new. Let us take you through the exciting world of gaming and help you design a great gaming get-together. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everyone! In this spooktacular episode, we talk a scary escape rooms and dispel the myth that all escape rooms have to be scary. In the dice roll, we'll talk hosting your own movie draft. For our escape room report, we talk our first experience being paired with destructive strangers. And of course, we'll have our Friday favorites. You know, Lauren, whenever I talk to people and I tell them I do escape rooms as a hobby, uh-huh. One response I often get is, that sounds scary, the idea of being locked in a room. I don't uh-huh. like that idea. Yeah. That's too frightening to me. Yeah. And I think a lot of the rooms that people mostly hear about are, you know, sort of like the horror ones where, ooh, it's a serial killer's basement, or you're trapped in, you know, this um, haunted house or something like that. But really, that only represents a very small market of escape rooms. Yeah, it's just those have the highest notoriety. Yeah, those are the ones people hear about. And it's just, it's kind of frustrating because the thing about escape rooms is you are technically locked into, like, an area, but that was only for the first generation. They've evolved past that. Yeah, yeah, very true. A a lot of rooms, like, it's not even necessarily about you trying to get out of someplace. A lot of rooms now just have a certain objective that you're trying to meet within an hour's time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a lot of times escaping is sort of secondary. Sometimes you're not even escaping. You never even leave the room, really. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all about... Achieving a certain goal, be that um, solving a mystery or uh, defusing a bomb. Yeah. Or there's, you know, there's so many of them. We did one that we'll talk about another episode, I'm sure, uh, recently, uh, where we had to discover a hidden, like, device inside of Grandma's house. Yeah. And we had to activate that device within the hour. Mm -hmm. It's not that we're trying to get out, we're trying to get in into the thing. Yeah, and then also themes don't always have to be scary. Um, We've done one where we, which I believe we didn't um, talked about in an episode, where we were dogs trying to look for our favorite ball. Oh, that was the (laughs) best. I was the best dog. (laughs) Um, We've done ones where, you know, I mean, some people consider circuses scary but because of a phobia. Mm-hmm. But we've done one where it's, you know, um, a fun top circus and you're just trying to solve zany puzzles and, and play like you're carnival playing, games. Yeah, you're playing carnival games. You go into an upside down room. There's a fortune teller's tent. Uh-huh. You do magic tricks. It's it's fun. Yeah. You know? And once again, you're not necessarily trying to get out of the room. You're just trying to find the last key to open something, mm-hmm. if yeah. I remember correctly. We did one where we were James Bond. And oh, yeah. We were going through, you know, the James Bond, um, his, you know, where he keeps all his stuff and then a laser kind of maze thing. I mean, yeah, there's lots of themes where you're not necessarily locked in and there's lots of things where they're not scary, mm-hmm. where you're more taking on the role of an adventurer, you know? I mean, there was that one that we did that was Harry Potter based. Yeah. Where we had to learn magic spells and defeat the Dark Wizard. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I think Harry Potter is one of the biggest newest franchises in a long, long time. Uh So, you know, they're not all scary. Yeah. But there are rooms that are scary, Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, I mean, yeah, if you are someone who's super squeamish or super scared of things, um, maybe those rooms aren't for you. We know someone Mm -hmm. who, he's not necessarily super squeamish, but he doesn't like jump scares. Mm -hmm. His first reaction will be to punch, and he doesn't want to hurt somebody. (laughs) So he doesn't like to do those kind of rooms. Um, for us, we don't mind the scary rooms, um, and most of our group doesn't mind the scary rooms. Uh, most of us 
don't scare easily. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, Greg probably scares the easiest. Oh, that's, that's, I will admit that, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we've done one of the rooms. Um, it's a local room called Zoe that is supposedly one of the scariest ones that it, out in the kind of L.A., Orange County market. And we weren't really scared in that room. Um, it was more just a lack of light and... <laughs> and just actors walking around trying to be intimidating. Yeah, exactly. And even some of the stuff they did to intimidate didn't really intimidate our friends. We were laughing and stuff. Yeah, because we start off being blindfolded and like kind of conga lining, like, you know, your hands uh-huh. and my shoulders into the dark space, you know, because... They're trying to lead us into the starting position while, like, without giving anything away. Mm-hmm. But, like, along the way, they're, like, literally touching us and, like, yeah. you know, whispering, like, threats or, like, whatever into our ears. And we're just laughing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, the, the thing, too, you know, there's, I think some of the fun things we've done in scary rooms, too, are things that you kind of are pushing yourself to do things that you might not think you would normally be brave enough to do. Mm-hmm. Um, a notable one of that is... There's um, a very famous room out this way where you have to fish a, a key out of a toilet. Yeah. And it, you have to a kind of... A used, plugged toilet. Yeah, that has... And I believe it's like... Um, it's in... This is family friendly, so... Prophylactic? It, yes, yes. <laughs> it's wrapped up in one of those and you have to dig in there. And I plunged my hand in and dug it out the time yeah. I had to do it. Um, or, you know, at one point you have to stick your hand into something... And they have puffs of air and dogs barking. So it feels like a dog is about to bite your hand. Yeah. Um, so it's all just kind of a bravery and a test of can you convince yourself this isn't real? Because it isn't real. But, you know, sometimes your brain doesn't, it just, even though it knows it's not real, it's still, you're reacting. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I've even seen that stuff at, like, Universal Studios when you wait uh-huh. in line for the mummy. There's this one part where, like, you can stick your hand in and, like, you know, a little puff of air will, like, hit you like it's a little uh-huh. spike or something. And, like, even though I know they're not going to physically hurt me, it's still, like, uh, uh you know, <laughs> putting your hand into the thing. No, I don't want to get hurt. You know, yeah. kind of, like, your brain can take over mm-hmm. and convince you that something's real when it's not. Yeah. You know? Or um, you've been shut into a coffin before. Yeah, in that an was escape fun. room. <laughs> I didn't realize I was claustrophobic until that moment. Yeah. So, I mean, there is something to be said about scary rooms. I mean, there, I do think, we think that there that there's a fun to be had in mm-hmm. some of these rooms. But at the same time, sometimes scary rooms, there's some negatives to them as well. Well, it kind of depends on what their definition of scary is from when they're building the room. Mm-hmm. Scary in terms of I'm going to make you run away in terror uh-huh. is different from a horror or, you know, tense atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Or something that's just sort of spooky. Yeah, right. Like, the the main examples in my head is the Zoe room, as you mentioned. Yes. Versus the Krampus room, mm-hmm. which unfortunately is not there anymore, as I've heard. But um, Yeah, at least right now it's not there. I don't know if they're going to bring it back, but mm-hmm. for the time being, it's not there. But let's let's take those two rooms mm-hmm. as our example of like bad room, good room, right? Yeah. Bad room, Zoe. They plunge you into darkness at the beginning, uh-huh. which is fine, but then you stay in darkness. Yeah, you and barely like, ever get any light. It's really hard to get light in there, so you're constantly not being able to see stuff, which normally can be interesting and that's like it creates a scary atmosphere yeah yeah and it forces you to kind of work together to and to slowly explore the space Uh right but the problem is that that is just time wasting Mm -hmm. because we never get more light yeah and you're constantly like that only we only had like maybe two light uh 
like flashlights or yeah. whatever. They don't even give you real flashlights, let's just say. They give you like little fake candles. Wasn't like electric candle or yeah. something? And you only get like say two of those, but we had like a full six. Mm-hmm. So you know, two people can kind of see with one of those, but then there's kind of another person standing behind them going, "I, I can't." I and these can't are literally help. lighting up as much as a single flame on a candle would. Yeah, so it's not exactly. like one is going to do if, it for if, a group. If, if even that. Yeah, it's like half a candle, you know. Yeah. But meanwhile, in the Krampus room. As you explore the room and solve puzzles, more light is available to you. You open up this bureau that has a lit display that then mm-hmm. casts light into the room. Yeah. So you're kind of like slowly but surely earning mm-hmm. more of that valuable resource of light so you yeah. can see what you're doing and explore further. You mm-hmm. know, because at first, yeah, you are also very much in the corner, very little light, just a dimly lit Christmas tree, uh-huh. and then maybe your weak little flashlight that you have. Yeah. And you got to explore from there, you know. Um, the puzzles. Yeah. In a bad room like Zoe, they don't focus too much on puzzles. They focus more about scaring you. Mm-hmm. There will be some puzzles, yes. And I don't want to spoil what those are because there's so few of them in Zoe. Yeah. But they're kind of weakly done. They're yeah. like first generation. They're mostly find this, find that, find that, put it down together. Yeah. You know, it's not, it, they're not real. There's no logic to it. Mm-hmm. It's more just about finding things. Right. Um, whereas, you know, like a Krampus, that, that, that doesn't have a lot of like technology compared to multiple rooms, No, but there is still a, like actual puzzles. There's things you have to find and there's logic that you have to follow. Yeah. You have to to apply newspaper clippings that you found to specimens in jars that are labeled to a map on the wall Mm -hmm. to these Christmas ornaments. And you have to somehow extrapolate all those four things together with the information they give you to get answers. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's a better puzzle. It's not just find the one book that, you know, the girl likes to read and then recreate the spell that's in it based upon the step-by-step cooking instructions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, and and that's true from a lot of kind of horror rooms. There's actually another room that I think of sometimes when I think of horror. And it's sort of, it it does the same principle that Zoe does a little bit better. But still, its puzzles were somewhat weak. And that was um, the now gone um, Cromwell. Oh, yeah. Um, estate or whatever it was called. But um, what it did is it did the same idea of Zoe where the puzzles weren't very difficult. They were puzzles, though. They were, were actually yeah. solving things. It wasn't just scavenger hunt. But um, but what they do in that room is they had an actor. And, and the room itself, there's nothing really scary about the room. Mm-hmm. But they had this actor who you later find who was chained up. And that's when sort of the scary part of the, the room yeah. starts to reveal itself. But he is, like, insane. And he's purposely going around, like, jumping out at you. And then he'll go in another room and then come out a different place. And you're constantly worried about what is it he's doing? What is he doing? And it's very distracting. So it makes something that's very simple a lot more difficult because you're constantly being distracted by this guy. But right there, you just... You actually hit the nail on the head there because you said you don't know his motivation. Uh-huh. You don't know what he's doing. Yeah. In something like the Zoe room, the actors who do come in, you know what they're doing. Yeah. They're there to intimidate you yeah. and to scare you. They get out their little tasers or whatever, mm-hmm. their zappers. They wave around at you. They scream. They, they run yell. At you. They run at you and then they leave. Mm-hmm. They never touch you. They just leave. You know, it's essentially like, um, the like plain chicken. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you don't blink, yeah. they'll back down. Uh-huh. Yeah. So who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, and I understand the fact that 
there's a certain amount of adrenaline that pumps through your body with that fight or flight mechanic. Uh-huh. That when you're approached with something that's immediate threat and danger, yeah. that something kind of pumps in you a bit more. And I definitely do get that even with that actor who's just crazy and like, I don't know what to expect from, yeah. the, from the Cromwell estate. Because I remember specifically, and I think we may have done the Cromwell estate in a very early episode. I can't mm-hmm. remember. But I remember specifically you were working on something and he was like standing back against the wall. And then he was slowly getting closer and closer to you. Yeah. And you kept looking over and all of a sudden he was And I could closer. tell he was getting closer. And, it, and I'm that, like, I don't know what he's going to do when he gets here. And that does make you kind of, it's harder to focus on the puzzle you're working on. Yeah. Because of, he's doing that. But yet he's not touching you. He's not running at you. He's just being weird and uh, not knowing what his... Unnerving. Yeah, yeah unnerving. And, and so like that's really the difference there is that... When you have a room that's focused too much on horror, uh-huh. they sacrifice the puzzles. Sometimes. Not all the time, but a lot of times that's what happens. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. A yeah. lot of times that, that's what happens. That's kind of the pitfall that most of them fall into. Uh-huh. They they don't have good puzzles because they're trying to, too hard to be scary. Yeah. But then the problem is you get these people who like, I only want to do scary escape rooms mm-hmm. because they think it's going to be like one of those amusement park, like Halloween horror things. Yeah. Where there's going to be actors walking around scaring you at every turn. Uh-huh. And yeah. And so anytime someone tells us, oh, well, I only want to do scary escape rooms, it's... I just kind of roll my eyes. I'm like, okay. Yeah. It's a red flag to the fact that they probably don't want puzzles. They just want like a haunted house effect. Yeah. And if you want a haunted house, go find a haunted house. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of things to scratch that itch. Mm-hmm. But if you actually want to do an escape room, not that you can't do haunted rooms, but there's so much else out there to offer you. You're very it's, limiting yourself. Yeah, it's too. like someone who tells me, oh, well, I don't like comedies. I only like dramas or something. Or I only, like, comedies, yeah. I only like period films or something. Like, there's so many other things out there. It's like, well, you know... That are better than most period films. Yeah, too. exactly. Or someone who, you know... I mean, one of our favorite shows is The Office, right? Mm. But you'll never hear any of us say, oh, well, we just want to watch The Office. We never want to watch anything else. Yeah. Like, as much as we like it, that... That's not the only thing out there. <laughs> exactly. And it's just, yes, you can have your cake and eat it too in the rare occasion mm-hmm. of having a good escape room that is also horror themed. But to find that right combination where the room is actually good uh-huh. and it's scary enough for you, that's going to be really hard to find. Yeah. You know? Like, for instance, I think ones, obviously, we talked Krampus did it really well. That was a really great horror mm-hmm. room. Um the basement does it really well yeah. as well. Um, but there's a lot of ones that don't do it very well. Um, the other thing with kind of scary escape rooms is I think that there's also sometimes a lack of creativity there. Mm-hmm. Um, just there's so many, you know, serial killer in the basement. Serial killer kidnapped you and put you in this room. In the serial basement, killer. in the cabin, in the woods. Yeah. Um, also, like, it's just so easy to, I feel like, when it comes to decorating and doing the set design for a scary room, yeah. it's so easy to kind of just, oh, look, we bought a bunch of body parts from right. the, you know, after Halloween kind of mm-hmm. thing. Or, oh, we'll just splash a bunch of red paint on everything to look like blood and you're That's done. It, yeah. You know, like, I just feel like it's so much easier. Whereas then you do some of these other rooms that are non-horror themed and they're so creative in what they do. Like, uh, you know... We mentioned this one before, but Doggy Dog, which is the one where you are mm-hmm. dogs, like 
the what they do in that room to make you one look like you're outside at one point yeah and to make everything so big that you do feel like you're a dog like you're only two feet tall yeah it's so imaginative and so creative and the set design is so amazing but then you know you'd go to another room and all they have to do is make it dark and put some red paint and stuff everywhere and that's all they had to do so it's kind of and like you can have a cleverly themed horror room yeah i mean like the basement, you know, mm-hmm. their room is, it looks like it could have been an actual basement that someone maybe like had a bedroom down in, uh-huh. but it's just so like decayed and decrepit Yeah, because over time he's like used it for all such a horrible like activities. Yeah. But like you do see a bed that looks like, okay, that was once a bed. It's a really dirty, filthy bed now, Yeah, but it's still that, you know, um, or like in the Krampus one, you have yeah. all these Christmas decorations mm-hmm. that have been, you know, demented. By this crazy person Mm -hmm. to not even be like Halloween demented, but like horror demented. Like you'll see Santa Claus, but he's instead of holding a candy cane, holding like a pitchfork with like baby Jesus's head on it or something, you know, (laughs) like it'll be like something where like he took different parts from Christmas Mm -hmm. and put them together in a horrifying way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the ones, other ones at the basement that I was thinking specifically of is the study, which looks like somebody's like house. Yeah, it does. And it's got like this very eerie where like rain is coming on the window. That's like a ghost story because you actually do have uh, an actor in there who, um, I think they're supposed to be a ghost and they're mistaking you for somebody else. Yeah. I don't know if they're a ghost. I know they're, they're supposed to be like the maid or the butler, depending on which actor you get. And they, yeah, they think you're someone else. Essentially, I thought they were a ghost thinking we were their old masters. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely. Anyways, but it's that's besides the point. The fact is, just having like a kind of creepy, dimly lit old house Mm -hmm. with bad weather outside, and one actor who has apparently really poor eyesight. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. That one, I love that one too because the actor's a bit of a surprise as well. Yeah. Um, and what when you first see them you see them through, like, a monitor instead. Um, and, like, that reveal was just so yeah, great. Yeah, because I, could you go through... One person has to go through this mm-hmm. one-way-only ticket to the other room to go, like, open the door for everyone else. Uh-huh. And then everyone else is watching on, like, a, a night-vision monitor. Mm-hmm. And the person in the room, it's, it's pitch black, they can't see anything, but everyone will be like, there's someone in there with you! Yeah. You know? What I loved about that one is, because we actually did that room twice, mm-hmm. um, we did it once, and we succeeded. And we usually don't do rooms again if we've succeeded, but it was just, we ended up getting, like, a freebie to go there or something. Plus, if it's a really and, good one, we have friends we want to do it with. Yeah, and so we, we had, we got, a, like, a couple free trips to the basement. And so we're like, you know what, we're, let's just go... And let's speed run this room Mm -hmm. and see how fast we can get out. Well, the actor in the room clearly knew, could tell we had done it before. And so he purposely moved. So he was in a different spot. So when the monitor turned on, we're like, where, where's the actor? (laughs) It was pretty funny. Very clever. Very clever. But yeah, you know, so just, you can appreciate scary things. That's Mm -hmm. fine. You can appreciate escape rooms. That's fine. But just... If you're the kind of person who only wants to do escape rooms that are completely terrifying, and if it didn't terrify you, you think it's a bad escape room. Yeah. You need to kind of recheck how you're judging things. Yeah. Because that is going to be the unicorn of them all. Mm -hmm. You know, to find one that actually scares you. And is a good one. Because if you're a person who likes the thrill of being scared, you've probably Uh gone to a lot of these haunted, you know, like corn walks and like 
theme parks and stuff. So like you're desensitized yeah. to a lot of stuff that escape rooms could offer. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, oh, there's an actor there with a knife in his head. Ooh. Yeah. Because you've seen it before. Uh-huh. They're not going to come up with anything new that you've never seen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you're right. You are desensitized. And in order to get a room that's going to both scratch that escape room itch and that horror is going to be difficult. Yeah. It's not to say that they're not out there, but like you said, it's kind of the unicorn. It's very rare. I mean, I, I do like there's, I, we're not being bashing at scary escape rooms because there is, we do like no, to I do, do like scary escape and rooms. And I do think, you know, the adrenaline that they create is a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've done some, you know, I've been handcuffed in a room before all by myself. I've had a hostage hood put over my head and yeah. been led away. Like those are all pretty like, just the hostage hedge alone is something that really will get your heart racing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the other thing too, I want to say about um, scary escape rooms too, especially ones where they're encouraging you to run away from things or scaring you in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the potential people can get hurt, which I yeah, don't like. People falling down, tripping. People falling down and tripping. One of our friends, you know, it was it we were in a super dark room and she banged her leg really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our friends the actor um, almost slammed his hand into a door by accident. Yeah, that's right. Um, So that, you know, there is, when it comes to actors and chasing people and things like that, that's where I kind of like, that might not be the best idea in the world. Yeah. Because no one wants to see anyone get hurt. I mean, yes, you sign a waiver, but they still shouldn't be purposely trying to let you get hurt. Exactly. And if you're the kind of person who wants to get into a situation where you get hurt, I mean good for you but (laughs) i don't want that yeah exactly so i mean i think that pretty much covers it i mean Mm -hmm. escape rooms they're not all necessarily scary no it's lots of fun and kind of um benign themes out there yeah and family friendly things too that you can take little kids to and they'll be fine you know and like they'll be just recently we did an escape room about visiting grandma for her birthday uh-huh. You know, and it, that was a wacky, funny one. Yeah, and there's literally nothing scary about it. No. And then, like, as we're leaving, we see a huge group of, like, preteens yeah. getting ready for a birthday party escape room run. And, and it's that like, was the room they were doing, yeah. Why not, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and what's funny, though, is it it was still a challenging room. Like, yeah. Like, well, we'll get into that when we talk about that room, but, you know, the... Like, it wasn't... Just because it's not scary didn't mean... And just because it's something benign as going to grandma's house doesn't mean they couldn't still have clever and unique puzzles yeah so i i think the point we're trying to make it ultimately is being a scary room and being a good room don't go hand in hand at Mm -hmm. all though i do think that if you're a room that's trying to be extra scary you sort of have to sacrifice on the puzzle end because it's very hard to design engaging puzzles when people are too scared to think straight. Yeah, or it's too dark to see or right. too, yeah. Like, you know, the, there's the um, that horror game, Five Nights at Freddy's, where you're constantly, like, you know, checking monitors to make sure the animatronic's not going to come and eat you. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you also had to solve a couple of riddles or do a Sudoku puzzle <laughs> yeah. while you're doing that. Like, okay, three could be, oh, where's the bunny one? Where's the bunny one? Okay, now that could, that could be a four or a seven. Oh, the bear. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't remember their names. Yeah, but. and I mean, if you've only done scary rooms and you think that's all you like to do, yeah. Branch out a little bit and see, you know, see if there's other, just do some other rooms and see what else is out there because you might be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I mean, 
you go to the same restaurant all the time when you have a favorite dish, sure. But, like, try some of the other meals there. Maybe mm-hmm. you'll find something else that you really enjoy. Yeah. You know? So, and, like, we've always given recommendations for rooms we like and rooms that we thought weren't that great. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of websites you can go to, and there's always Yelp to mm-hmm. look for rooms that are highly rated. So, branch out, try something else. There's other themes that surely other people like. Yeah. You know, like, okay, maybe you like, you know, horror, and maybe you like um, wizards. So, go find Harry Potter. Uh huh. Or maybe you want to go to a sci fi one with aliens and stuff there's ones out there like that <laughs> yeah so just just pick some other thing that you do enjoy mm-hmm. and go for that you know but i mean if you do like halloween horror stuff awesome yeah and i mean this is the time of year for it this so. is definitely the time of year <laughs> but just you know just understand that not all escape rooms care too much to go super deep into horror mm-hmm. there there are some of them out there but when you do do that there is kind of a, a sacrifice or a trade-off in terms of in-depth of puzzle design versus how much are we trying to scare you? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So instead of going on to a normal dice roll segment like we do, we're going to do something a little bit more scary. Lauren's going to interview me about something, and I don't know the questions ahead of time. Let's go into the dice roll. So we recently did something, and if you follow our Instagram, you would have seen some pictures from it, where we we like to host kind of like movie nights and things like that. And Greg is a huge James Bond fan. Da-da-da. I got my Spectre ring on right now. <laughs> um, and so he's been wanting to do um, essentially a game around uh, James Bond and James Bond movies. And so you designed an entire James Bond draft and got all of our friends involved. I did. So I wanted to kind of talk more about that because it is, it's fun. It's something that we've been kind of much like you might do a fantasy football draft. It's mm-hmm. something that it's not all like right there. It was over. It's something that's like spanning weeks and weeks and stuff. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Not only so about the one we're doing, but just giving people ideas on how they might be able to create their own okay. draft. So, okay. So we're doing a James Bond draft and we're going through all the different movies. I, yeah. We're going from Dr. No, the very first Sean Connery that came out in 1963, mm-hmm. all the way up to Spectre, the last Daniel Craig one that came out in 2016. Yeah. And we're looking at things. People were able to choose their own bond. Mm-hmm. Well, like you said, it's it's like a fantasy football draft, but for uh-huh. movies. And the thing is, I, I like the idea of doing fantasy like sports leagues, but, but I'm not a sports, like sports guy. <laughs> I don't care to track those stats and players and uh-huh. all that, you know. And we wouldn't know where to begin picking exactly. Them. And I, it's too new to me to get into that, so I want to do this. So what I did was I broke down every single Bond film. I looked at them all critically as a whole, mm-hmm. and I said, "What are the unique things that?" always show up mm-hmm. in every Bond film. They always have them in common. You always, yeah, that are in every single Bond film, no matter who's the actor, no matter what the subject matter is, mm-hmm. this is the thing that's always there. And the categories that came up with was you always have James Bond. Mm-hmm. You always have a main Bond girl. Yes, sometimes there's multiple girls, but there's always that one main that girl. That one that kind of who, sticks like, around. sticks around to the end. Yeah. You know, the one that he essentially rides off into the sunset with. Mm-hmm. You have the main villain. You do not always, but often enough, have a henchman. Mm-hmm. Some kind of big, intimidating, imposing person. Who works for the main villain. Who works but for is the main bad the main guy. Villain. Is like their number one go to lackey. Uh-huh. And James Bond has to defeat them in some way to get to the villain. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have the music. Yes. And so, what I did was I broke those up into six different categories. Mm-hmm. And each category has multiple things that it scores points on. For example, James Bond, 
what's the number one thing think people think of when they think James Bond? Cool gadgets, mm-hmm. right? So that's got to be a thing. Anytime he uses gadget, he gets points. How about anytime he blows something up? That's points. Anytime 007 is shown, that's points. Mm-hmm. Things like that, you know? Yeah. Same with the girls, you know? Anytime that they actually do something to help Bond, either in the plot or directly, that's points. Anytime, and I, okay, this is, I admit, this sounds a little sexist, and it's because the movies kind of are. Yeah, the movies are kind of sexist. But anytime that the women change outfits, that's points. Because <laughs> girls are always changing outfits yeah. in Bond films. and some of them do it a ton, and some of and them don't. You also have to realize Bond films are also kind of like a, um, like a like a rich vacation dream mm-hmm. of like going to far off places, wearing nice clothes, having nice yeah. watches and cars. Mm-hmm. So the idea of the women always changing outfits, showing off new like fashion designs, uh-huh. that's kind of par for the course, you know. For the villains, I have it anytime he says Mr. Bond or Bond, you know. I actually wrote down um, one of, because every villain has some kind of a sit-down conversation with Bond where you can easily just kill him. Yeah. Think about Austin Powers and how Dr. Evil's like, or Scott is to his father, Dr. Evil. You can just shoot him right now. You're having dinner with this guy? What are you doing? You know? <laughs> so I actually have it in there that any time a villain is having a conversation with Bond, I start a stopwatch and I time to see how many full minutes does that guy have a conversation uh-huh. with him. You would be surprised <laughs> how much talking there is between yeah. Bond and the villains. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, okay, so you had all these categories that you picked. And mm-hmm. you, like I said, you looked for things that all the movies kind of had in common. And like I said, not there's some things that all the place, all the um, things don't do. Mm-hmm. Like, um, for example, with the henchmen. Yeah. Not all movies have a good henchman. Mm-hmm. And not all henchmen do all the things that I gave them requirements for. Uh-huh. Like, technically speaking, not all henchmen kill somebody. Mm-hmm. But they will do do other things, like capture Bond or hit him or something like yeah. that. That makes them worthwhile for uh-huh. having points. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the whole idea is you are essentially picking these characters or, you know, these different categories, mm-hmm. right? And you don't know. You're like, okay, I'm picking Odd Job. Yeah. Does he kill anyone? I don't know, but maybe he does this other thing a lot. So exactly. it's, it's a gamble. It's see, all the, a gamble. The thing is, I kind of wanted to be like football because you have someone, like let's just say you have a kicker mm-hmm. that you have in like, okay, so I know he is good at kicking. But if he never gets the opportunity But what if to? he never gets the opportunity to kick? Yeah. Or what if he does kick and he misses? Yeah, or what know? if my quarterback gets hurt in a game and yeah. then all of a sudden, oh, well, that just ruined my game. Exactly. So, so it's kind of like that, except instead of it being in the future and you're trying to predict what happened, uh-huh. it's I'm covering 24 movies that there's no way you could have that full accurate information just off the top of your head. Yeah, exactly. Even I, who am the biggest James Bond fan I know and have ever met. You didn't met, know, for there's sure. There's no way I could have all these numbers off the top of my head. Uh-huh. You know, I would have to have gone down, watched every single movie with a piece of paper and pencil just ticked off every single one. Uh-huh. So that's why I thought it was more of a fun game. Like yeah. This, so. Um, so one of the things that it, I wanted to ask you is how did you, like, keep everything balanced, right? Because you couldn't create thing, have things where, you know, one thing was worth so many points and another thing not be worth any points. Right. Well, what I what I had to do is you have to kind of think about how often does things seem to show up. For mm-hmm. example, explosions. There's always a ton of explosions in every Bond film. There's always a secret layer that blows up at the end. So obviously those are going to be worth just one point. You know, but then other things... Like some Bond films don't have a lot of explosions, but they mm-hmm. might have a lot of gadgets. Yeah. So then how do you counteract that? You uh-huh. Plus also you're looking for things that are more unique to the actual franchise. Mm-hmm. Like the gadgets are worth more than explosions because any movie has explosions. Yeah. But not every movie has gadgets. Uh-huh. 
And has that had to change a little bit? Have I, we, we I, discovered certain things are unbalanced? Yeah, I mean, it's not perfect. I never said it was perfect. Yeah. But uh, for example, I did have for the music sequence, we're looking at the title intro sequence where uh-huh. it has the song. And uh, I had it be where anytime you see a woman, it's a point. Anytime you see a gun, it's a point. But at the beginning, I said, anytime you see Bond himself, it's seven points mm-hmm. because 007. Yeah. And I, I did that because when I was thinking of it, I was picturing in my head all the intros from Connery through Pierce Brosnan mm-hmm. and like not really thinking that Bond shows up a lot. He may show up two or three times, but not a lot. But I forgot about the Daniel Craig ones where Working. it's actually the focus switches to Bond being an intro and very few women. Yeah. So those people were like cleaning up because that was worth so many points. Yeah. So I had to rebalance that and say like, okay, Bond's only worth one. Mm-hmm. But at the to fix it, I'll then change the Bond category I had before to Bond personally drives the vehicle mm-hmm. to Bond travels in this method. Because yeah. just because Bond is a passenger on a hydrofoil mm-hmm. going across, you know, from one country to another, that doesn't mean he didn't experience traveling on that thing. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had to, one of the things we did for, to balance out some of the later films, especially when it comes to modes of transportation, mm-hmm. is with um, Daniel Craig, we count parkour as a mode well, of transportation. I, I said, because he's really the only one who does it. And because he is the only one who does it, they do it a lot. Yeah. So. Well, Bond has always been topical. Uh-huh. He always likes to do the most current and relevant thing. Uh-huh. And so if the current relevant thing is parkouring, he's going to parkour. Yeah. If the most current relevant thing was paintballing, they would give him a paintball gun for some reason. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, I, we always kind of have said it, that Daniel Craig is the action Bond. Mm-hmm. He's the more physically fit of any of the Bonds they've sort of had in yeah. the past. Oh, he's definitely. So, like, he's the only one so far who could do that kind of stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. So... It also makes a little bit more sense, but um, but that helps to stay a little more balanced because he might because they focus so much on that he's not always driving the fancy cars and stuff. Right, but I, I do make a distinction between car types. Like uh-huh. if he's in a taxi, that's one thing. Yeah. If he's driving his Aston Martin, that's another thing. If he drives a Jaguar or a BMW, that's another. If thing. he drives a tank, <laughs> if he drives a tank, that's another thing. Yeah. Or a motorcycle. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like in between, even just different types of cars. Mm-hmm. If it's a recognizably different type of car. Then that counts. Yeah. And so when we did this, so what we did is we actually had a party um, and we had everyone over. And one of the fun things we did is we played games to determine sort of like pick order and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, and I designed several Bond themed games yeah, we did. to determine pick order. Um, first of all, we did the odd job um, hat toss. Yes, which you can see pictures on our Instagram of us. Where I, I, I printed out the pictures of the six different Bonds, uh-huh. put them on cups, had a stand about 10 feet away, mm-hmm. and we threw odd jobs hat at the Bond cups. It's mm-hmm. almost like a carnival game. Yeah. And it's really hard to toss a hat. It after, is, like, yeah. Yeah, especially like a, a felt, like. Bowler hat. Yeah, yeah a party hat, like, because it's not, it's well, not super heavy. I didn't put the middle rim at the bottom to give it weight. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was already killing our plants, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we also did a game of cash and guns yeah which is always a, a good party game mm-hmm. except in that one i modified it to be that you only have two lives mm-hmm. so that was called you only live twice <laughs> yeah just like the bond uh, title um yeah. we also played uh laugh mm-hmm. which i called specter yeah because specter is a weird acronym that stands for <laughs> special executives for counterintelligence terrorism revenge and extortion <laughs> um and so what we did is not only like we did 
um, games to choose pick order, but we also did games to kind of give certain people advantages if they wanted, so they yeah. could um, steal a pick or things like well, that. Well, actually, those that was the point of those games. The ultimate game for the pick order, mm-hmm. if you recall, is... And I removed myself from this, because I know, because them, you all know them all by yes. heart and in order. Mm-hmm. And I said, I will just go last, unless someone wants to go last uh-huh. instead. But I said, you have seven minutes, write down every single James Bond title that you can think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's funny is that throughout the entire party... I had the James Bond themes playlist going mm. the entire time. We also and I had actually a made list. a point. I actually had a point to verbally say every single James Bond title during the entire party. Yeah. So I was giving clues all of the time. Well, we also had, so we had, you had created this huge board mm-hmm. for when we actually did our picking. And I had it posted And you had it posted on the wall for, and so everyone was kind of being encouraged throughout and the I evening. told them, go take a look To go at take it. a look, to, you know, to kind of start strategizing your picks and stuff. So we had that list in front of us all night, but then all of a sudden we're put on the spot. Like, and oh, then I take it do down it. and I turn it over so you guys um, can't see it. We had some pretty funny results of what we wrote. You sure did. <laughs> which were not all James Bond films. A lot of people um, put Austin Powers titles. Yeah. But so we did all the picking, but then of course, like that is as far as it went for that night is we just picked what we wanted. Yeah. We did a snake draft where the yeah. first person goes first and then the last person goes twice in a row and goes back around again. Yeah. Um, and then what you've been doing since is you've been watching the films and you tell everybody ahead of time what film you're going to be watching so that everyone can like watch themselves if they want. Because it's going to be too hard to organize a party of like nine people. Oh yeah. Nobody has that to time. to come and watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so giving them fair warning. So if they want to go find a copy and watch it themselves, they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what you do is you basically watch the film and you sit there and you calculate all the, all the different stats for everything. Yeah. Even if we've even done it for the films that have no, um, nobody picked anything from. Right. But, Just well, so that we know what their I also want to know like what was left on the table that you could have grabbed. Yeah. But you didn't, you know? Yeah. And um, and then so then you send a detailed email with like what the rankings are, how many points everyone's gotten and some information about the next film or whatever. And so that way, like the game kind of keeps going. And each week we kind of learn, OK, who's ahead, who's, you mm-hmm. know, and some people haven't gotten on the boards yet because their movies haven't come up because oh, some well, of our friends. I did a random pick. Yeah. For the order. So we're going in completely random. Order. Yeah. And some of our friends did really heavy into like one movie. Yeah. So they're not hearing a lot yet because like they did a different movie that maybe they picked all three categories. One of our friends did almost a clean sweep of Die Another Day. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing he didn't get was the girl. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's kind of interesting to see how it works. And, like, for myself, um, I we had a thing where we you picked each category, and then you got, like, a wild card where you could pick... The, the you flex could, pick. Yeah, yeah, where you could double dip in another category Except if you wanted. I did specify that just, like, you, how you can't flex pick a quarterback in mm-hmm. fantasy football, you couldn't flex pick James Bond. Yeah, so Because I know one. that that's going to be a super high-scoring category. Uh-huh. He's going to constantly be scoring points, so you have to flex into either another Bond girl, villain, henchman, or music. Yeah, and so I did with something that I think is really smart. We'll see how it turns out for me, because it hasn't been fully scored yet. But I flexed Flex picked two villains. Yeah. Two villains that I knew to be strong villains. So I'm hoping Who that villains? that's... I know one was Blofeld, Blofeld with, um, and, from Spectre. And Goldfinger. Goldfinger, that's what yeah. he was, yeah. So I'm hoping that's going to pay off. Goldfinger, he plays a whole round of golf. Yeah, him. that scored me a lot of points. Like, it got me ahead of a bunch of people with just my one pick. In fact, I was teasing one of our friends the other day um, because we're almost... We're neck and neck. We're like a point off. I think he's like a point ahead of me or something. Or like something. That, yeah. And I'm like, oh, look, we're almost at the same point. And he's like, yeah, but that's like two of mine and you've only had one thing 
scored so far. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "That's you're gonna like blow ahead of me in a sack." <laughs> well, I mean, it really depends because you, you might get a really you know cruddy uh, henchman. Yeah, exactly. Do I, well I don't have good uh, confidence. That's in my the henchmen, thing, and like so. I'm in the lead right now because the very first movie we did happened to be my Bond. Mm-hmm. So I like jumped out into the lead. But the thing is, like, I'm going to stay there for a while, but everyone else is going to creep up on me. Yeah. And then when I finally start to get points, it's not going to go as big. Because mm-hmm. Bond's the quarterback, and he scores all the points. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so we'll see. But it's kind of been, like, a nice, like, lasting fun thing we've done. And mm-hmm. I think it's something that people could easily do. You don't have to do it with Bond. I mean, no. if you do want to do it with Bond, and you want to know more about how we're doing this... Mm-hmm. Feel free to reach out to us on any social media and we'll send you all of the categories and everything else so you can do it yourself. Um, But, like, I think it works best with franchises, probably. No, it does. It works best definitely with franchises, I would say, of six movies or more. Mm -hmm. And pretty much what you have to do is you have to separate it out, boil it down to its bare bone components. Uh Be like, what character or characters are the same throughout. Mm-hmm. For example, you could even do like Twilight because uh-huh. Twilight, off the top of my head, has pretty much the same characters throughout all the film. Right? Yeah. You have Edward, what's the name? Bella, mm-hmm. right? Um, werewolf, werewolf Boy, whose yeah. name I don't remember right now. <laughs> Jacob? I think so, yeah. Something like that. Um, you know, and you have the bad guys, the bad mm-hmm. vampires or werewolves or whatever they were. The bad vampires, I think. So like those are four categories right there, you know. You could even do a fifth category of Bella's dad. You know, because yeah. I know he's in every single one. And then just think about what's something that they always do in every single film, you know? So, like, right now at the top of my head, Twilight, um, points for any time he sparkles. <laughs> you know, Bella, points for any time she stares with her mouth slightly gape yeah. out a window. Uh-huh. You know, just... Yeah. And then you just kind of, like, say, I'm... I'm going to pick this. I'm going to pick New Moon, Bella, because I think that's going to score me points. Yeah. Um, one that I'm thinking probably is going to end up being one we do if we do mm-hmm. this again is the Fast and Furious franchise. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Because we recently did this thing where we watched all of the Fast and Furious movies. Fast and um, Furious, anytime Vin Diesel has a white shirt on. I know, right? <laughs> anytime they only show him from like pecs up because he because doesn't he actually work, work out. out. Yeah. Um, and we're just starting now. Um, we're going to watch all of the Underworld series. Mm-hmm. So that may also be a future one. I will say I actually do have a first draft of Star Wars. Oh, that's another good one, yeah. Because there's definitely, like, you can pick a lightsaber user. Uh-huh. You can pick, um, you know, like, a rebel. Mm-hmm. You can pick uh, someone on the bad guy side. You know, like, um, I, I forget all the names, like, Grand Moff Tarkin or something. Yeah. Like, he's done, like the one of the British bad guys, essentially. <laughs> you, know? you can pick a droid mm-hmm. for things that the little robots do. You can pick an alien companion. Yeah. So there's definitely, like, options there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, it's a little bit tougher because they go to so many weird places every single time. Yeah. But, like, it's doable. It's it's kind of similar to a drinking game almost, but not. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, so pretty much what we do is we're just... Every week I go through one of the movies. I have the list predetermined randomly. Uh-huh. The only difference is because the Daniel Craig ones are kind of a structured story with Acts 1, 2, 3, and 4. Whenever those come up, I put it in chronological order. Because mm-hmm. you can't watch Quantum of Solace without having seen Casino Royale. That does not work. <laughs> Why is this guy so sad and moody all the time? I don't understand it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just something fun that we're doing that I think other people would have fun doing as well with yeah. their friends. And there's, you know, you don't have to do a James Bond one. There's lots just, of other Just definitely, you if you do want to do this, pick something that is formulaic. Yeah. Like the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah. That's very formulaic in how it works. Mm-hmm. Yes, the formula changes a little bit over time, but it's still 
workable. Yeah. You know, if you did something like, um, I guess even Indiana Jones does work because that's a little bit formulaic. Yeah. But something where like it's completely different every time, mm-hmm. you know, like that's not going to work. It out. probably worked good with like some, because there's, I'm trying to think of different series. You could probably maybe do it with the Marvel films. Um, or like there's so many animated series where there's multiple ones you could do probably yeah. Like, if you were to do it with the Marvel films, there's enough mm-hmm. movies to work with there, but you'd have to get really general. Like, yeah. the hero uses his weapon mm-hmm. point. You yeah. know? The hero uh, knocks somebody out when they should be dead uh-huh. point. Yeah. Um, you could possibly even do TV, like, if you did, like, in seasons. Oh, you could like, for sure do I that. Like, I want to do, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but I want, you know, Jake from season two or something like that, you mm-hmm. know? No, you could do that. How many quips does he make? You know, how many yeah. how many um, inappropriate comments does Boyle make? Yeah, how many times is Jake late? You know, yeah, things like that. So yeah. you can even do it with TV. Just obviously, like I said, formulaic works best. Mm-hmm. The more product you have to work with, the more options you have for draft picks. Yeah, because if I was to do just Indiana Jones, there's, there's only, only four movies for that. Mm-hmm. If you even acknowledge the fourth one, and like from there, like okay, so. If everyone's just going to pick indie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, unless yeah. you're picking specific things that he does, but that's kind of not as fun. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, let's go on and talk some escape rooms. You know, Greg, back in, oh man, what has it been now? Back in 2016. So long ago. We, I took you for Valentine's Day uh-huh. to our very first escape room. Yep. And that's when we fell in love <laughs> with escape rooms. Yes. Um, and it was a, a room that was local in our town. And, you know, as we've done almost 70 odd rooms now, um, it still is one that, you know, maybe it wasn't the greatest room we've ever done. But it's still one that we hold in some esteem. And it's still one that we recommend to locals and things as a a decent quality room. Yeah. Um, And even from back then, when we first did them, they kept saying that they were going to open a second room. Mm -hmm. And we've been waiting for years for the second room to open. Well, it finally happened. They opened a second room. And so we were some of the first people in line to Mm -hmm. go do that room. Um, That experience didn't totally pan out for us there, yeah. we found out there were some kinks probably things that they should have beta tested a little bit more mm-hmm. so we re- decided not to review it not to talk about it here and give them another chance yeah well that day finally came and we gave them another chance and we took two of our good friends who do a lot of rooms with us uh-huh. down there to do it and boy was that a mistake yes <laughs> so we we signed up for the room Mm-hmm. Uh, like the day before, you know, yeah. and it's seven o'clock at night on a Sunday, I think it was, and it's okay. I'm gonna book half the room, four out of eight spots. Yeah. And typically, you know, as we've said, there's always the chance you can be paired with strangers. If if it's a room that does that, some yeah, rooms, some rooms don't. You don't. And I've given lots of tips on here about if you're paired with strangers, here's what you do: you try to make nice, you try to make sure everyone knows each other's name, mm-hmm. you know, and you try to get like some kind of group uh energy going yeah you know trying to make it so that we are a team not just oh you're here in this with yeah. me you know and usually like the, now once again this isn't a a rule of thumb but a lot of times when a room is a public booking like that mm-hmm. if you book out at least half the room yeah 
good chances are you're probably not going to get paired with anyone. Yeah. Not a total win, but usually if someone goes on there and says, oh, my family or my me and my girlfriend want to do this room, and they see, oh, there's all already a bunch of people doing that, let's pick a time when people aren't doing it. Yeah. That was unfortunately not the case for us. We had another group of four book along with us. Yes. And Meaning the room was going to be at its max. At its eight. max capacity. And granted, remember, Greg and I did this room just the two of us. And we weren't successful the first time. But we came close. But we came very close. So as soon as we found out the room was going to be at to eight, I even made the comment like, ooh, that, that seems like way too many. Because yeah. <laughs> even though we don't like actively commit things to memory of uh-huh. like here's what the combination of the lock was we might still remember oh there was a trick to this where you have to open the lid and then turn it sideways and mm-hmm. then you can read the thing you know yeah and we just like and although the space accommodated eight we knew that i just didn't think this room had enough puzzles and was difficult enough to warrant eight people yeah. i mean eight newbies who don't really know what to look for an escape room uh-huh. may maybe be, but when you have half the team is essentially veterans at this point. We're mm-hmm. like, yeah, we've done 70. And our two friends, they've easily done at least three dozen. Yeah, yeah. You know? They may not, our, our two friends may not have done 70, but they're not that far behind us. No, no. So it, we were like, this is going to be like a snap. Mm-hmm. Here's what happened. <laughs> our group was the most antisocial group when they walked up. Yeah, well, they were late, first of all. Yeah, they were a couple minutes late. It was... Um, two teenage boys and their parents mm-hmm. one of them looked like he was too cool to be there yeah yeah and he was constantly vaping which is yeah I- i'm sorry to those who do but for me i don't like it i don't mm-hmm. like any of the culture that's kind of it goes hand in hand with that you know and uh, so vaping yeah. for me is like kind of a turnoff mm-hmm. you know? yeah yeah for sure it's it's Essentially, I mean, it, it is essentially smoking, but it's essentially, you know, when you are a smoker, there is a certain level of social acceptability. Mm-hmm. And like, if there's a group of people and no one's smoking, you don't stand there unless you ask, yeah. can I smoke? You know, things like that. And there's I certain yeah. etiquette to it. And with vaping, people feel like, oh, I don't have to have any etiquette because, oh, it's not harmful. And like, and granted, so... this guy wasn't blowing the smoke in our face. He was like blowing it straight up. Yeah. But he's still like... Close enough that it's still kind of in my space. Yeah, and it, yeah, it was just not the time for it. Yeah, too. and even when he was in the room with the rest of his family, he was just going around, just kind of casually, like just kicking things, acting like, "Oh, this is dumb. I don't want to be." Yeah. Here. Well, he also first thing we get in there, he whips out his phone and is playing on his phone, and the game master actually had to ask him, "Actually, no phones in here. You'll have to put that away." Yeah. Like. <laughs> Which I've never had happen yeah. in any of the rooms we've. And done. like when you see somebody. Mm-hmm. And you've never said anything to them. They haven't said anything to you. But you just kind of get an aura from mm-hmm. them of just like either inviting or closed off, right? Mm-hmm. Like these people, not that they were, you know, hostile or intimidating in any way, but just the general aura they brought with them was very much like, how do I want to say, like not approachable. Yeah, they were very, it just felt like there was like this polarizing force between our two groups. Yeah. Like, from the beginning and they weren't really interested in learning our names or even saying hi to us it was very much we went into this room as two separate groups yeah i mean when they walked up i said hi yeah you know didn't hear anything like i think the mother said oh hi Mm -hmm. and that was it and like no one else bothered to 
try to make yeah. any other communication. It's like, okay. Yeah, and I mean, we, first of all, Greg makes friends with everybody. And I could make friends with them, so and, that's amazing. Yeah, and it was just like, normally, yeah, we will talk to them. We will ask people what their names are and stuff. It was difficult because they were late, so it was very much sign these, get in. Yeah. Um, but, like, it was just, like I, like you said, there was it was just like there was this aura of these two groups are not going to be yeah. working together, essentially. And then even inside, when you have the video of the you know narrator, essentially, mm-hmm. explaining the backstory and giving a few last-minute ground rules, the, the father and the two of the sons are like just joking around, not paying attention, shining flashlights on different things around the room, joking. And our eyes. Shining flashlights in our faces. Yeah. Because <laughs> they think it's funny. And like, I, I could tell they were doing like, ooh, shining my flashlight in your face. Ooh, mm. And they're moving on. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that, you know, already like that didn't set, it wasn't a good setup to the no. room, right? Um, and then when it, we were kind of released to start you know, the escape room process, um, they were very much not interested in actually solving puzzles or anything like that. Um, they were, it was just an all like free for all, just essentially trash the room and try to find stuff. Yeah. Um, they later, like we were like, Oh, we have this word that's clearly to a combination lock. Oh, there is one letter combination lock. Wait, how did you guys get it open? And later found out that they had just, busted it open yeah they had just brute force yanked it down as hard as they could uh-huh. to snap it open essentially so they broke that lock yeah and like what's great is that one of our friends was nearby when it happened and she like immediately put her hands up and like i didn't touch that kind of situation mm-hmm. so that when the security cameras see it you know and they go back to review yeah. the footage they can tell that our party was not involved in that yeah and then so this room it's called a ghost chamber and it's very much sort of playing off like a um, Ghostbusters kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's like we're essentially fixing the the containment, the containment machine, machine yeah. that is supposed to hold the ghosts. Yeah. So you have to go around and you have to find the different pieces and doodads and and make it work essentially. and jigs to figure out where to plug them in, how to you know integrate them, and essentially yeah, get it to work properly. Yeah, and it, it's not about actual escaping the room. It's about solving an objective, which a lot of rooms. Are. Which is, I yeah. kind of like a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. Give me an objective, not just get out. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's, it looks very much sort of like a, um, what do you want to say? Like an old kind of garage. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, kind of like, once again, going with the Ghostbusters theme, you're like in an old firehouse or mm-hmm. something like that. So there's these big, like, barrels everywhere. Big, like, heavy metal barrels. Yeah. And they told you very specifically... You will not, there's nothing under the barrels. You don't need to move the barrels. You don't need to knock them over. Like, you, you know, you don't need to mess with the barrels, yeah. kind of, essentially. And so there's this one barrel that if you look in, you can see clearly down in, there's like a hole. And you can look down in and you can see there's clearly a key down there. Yeah. And this became their obsession to get that key out. And keep in mind, this is like a big, like, oil barrel. Yeah, it's so it, big. like four feet tall, something yeah, like that? Yeah, and heavy. And, and... In order to make sure that people don't mess with them, they have them securely attached to the ground. Yeah. So you can't. You can't just pick it up it. and like jangle it around like a piggyback. Yeah. Bag. And so they were trying to knock it over. They were trying to kick it. At one point, I kind of, they said, oh, well, let's, let's try to like knock it over. And I said, well, maybe let's not. Yeah. And they just sort of laughed. And then they thought, okay, well, we'll have to fish it out. 
So they started ripping lights because they had like um, uh, string lights. Mm -hmm. They started ripping lights off the the wall. They pulled, um, there was kind of like a rope that went through um, these lockers to kind Mm -hmm. of make so they all kind of locked based on this thing. They pulled that out. They were trying to fish it out. They started attaching things to the end and throwing them down there. They attached other locks we'd already opened to that string thinking oh it'll act like a fishing hook and we can hook and then they lost those locks down the down the yeah down the student barrel yeah exactly and so they do this location they do have a kind of thing where like one of their ways of sort of communicating to you sometimes is through like a ghostly voice yeah and so they were they were using that a couple times to say like stop yeah but also these people were being loud and stuff and they i don't think they heard heard it or they didn't realize that they it was them trying to communicate with them to tell them to stop um they also didn't so they have a hint system in this room one of the things that you're doing in this room is you have like kind of almost like a computer screen it's like a touch screen that you're interacting with the guy who created this he's kind of in video games and stuff like creating his own video games and stuff and so essentially he created this whole interface which is really cool it is really cool it has some bugs but um it is really cool and it's very inventive. But part of their hint system is you have kind of these two lines and you can type in a message. And you kind essentially of like have to text, like, text your question, um, which takes forever to type. It takes forever. Yeah, it is. It's very cumbersome. That's why it's not my favorite hint system. Um, they didn't realize what that was for. So they just kept like typing stuff in and thought like, oh, this is working. You know, like, they, they thought it was like a search and... bar would like type in your command. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, they, you know, it was very Which clear. is why you should pay attention to the initial video that tells yeah. you how things work. Yeah. And they definitely like at one point they found you find a security badge and they put it somewhere and they thought that like turned on the computer. But, like, the security badge actually went to a whole different panel. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like, actually, that doesn't even, like, you don't have to keep that there, yeah. you know. And um, the biggest problem in the room, too, was at one point we we were on, the, like, the very last thing. And we we were like, we, we know we need, like, this thing to, you know, like, make this work. Yeah. But we can't, like, we don't have anything. We don't have anything. And it turned out they had found, like, this lunchbox and, like, gone through it and everything and totally disregarded, like, half of it and didn't tell anyone, oh, yeah, we found this in here. Yeah. And so we were like, okay, we've just been looking for this forever. Um, they also didn't understand, like, because at one point we're like, oh, we need, like, a fingerprint or a handprint or a hand or something. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, there's some over there. And I'm like, yeah, but those are attached to the wall. They don't come off. I can't get that over here. Yeah. You know, it was like, once again, like, no, it's not going to be the answer is not going to be we need to rip it out. Yeah. They think you you have to demolish the room. Yeah. And you're like, guys, realize that they have to, like, turn this room back in order in, like, probably 20 minutes. Yeah. After you're done in order to get it ready for the next room. So... Do you really think they want you to rip out lights and then to, like, drop a bunch of stuff down a barrel that's attached to the ground that you can't easily fish out? Yeah. And also, what makes you think you should just, like, power open locks? Yeah. Just, like, like, rip me open. Because I know for a fact that that lock, it's like a five-digit word combination. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I'm not going to spoil what it is, but... I remember very specifically, it's an actual word. Yeah. It's not, like, just... Random letters. Like, random gobbledygook. It's actually a five-letter word that you find in the room. Uh-huh. And it's clear when you find it that that's that, you know. And I finally went over to... I was like, oh, that's right. I, I remember... I don't remember what the word is, but I remember where it is. I'll go get that, and then I'll go open the thing, right? 
And I go over there after I get the word, and it's open, and it just is like, SJK Biz Biz F. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not like, a word. No? Yeah. No. So, yeah, they clearly forced it open. Um, um, yeah, and just the other thing I will say, going back to the kind of touchscreen thing yeah. that they have for the interface, I do like it. It's kind of like a video game where it shows you essentially like black outlines of the components that you're missing for the and machine. And it shows you your like progress. And then as you plug it in, you know, like, then yeah. like, oh, that turns green. Also, the timer for the room is interesting. It's not just a t- countdown clock of 60 minutes. When your hour starts, you have a 100% battery life. Yeah. And then as time goes on, you lose battery life. So halfway through the room at half an hour, you have 50% battery. Mm. You have to do a little bit of math to figure out how much time you have left. Yeah. But that's kind of cool because mm-hmm. it also relates to we all have phones. Yeah. You know? The problem with that thing, though, is there was a part where we had to essentially go to like sort of like a notes file to look up like what kind of ghost is this, uh-huh. you know, or like what's its name or whatever. And... There was no way on the screen for us to touch to get there. We kept touching everything, and we couldn't get to that one page that we needed. Uh-huh. And we were even trying to type in there, like, we can't get to this page. How do you get to this page? Yeah. And then finally, they just like, oh. And they just yeah. pop it up on the and screen And then for we us. couldn't get back. Yeah. So, like, it was, it was like they had to keep, like, kind of interacting because, yeah, we kept getting stuck. And part of the reason... Part of the reason that happened was because so they got the file up and then they closed it without like really reading it. Yeah. And so then we were like, well, what did it say? What, you know, it's asking for this. What what did it say there? And they didn't know. And mm-hmm. so we were trying to get back to it. And so the game masters had to keep kind of like manipulating it so it would come back on the screen. But it did reveal a weakness like you should be able to get and back to it. And what's weird is that they designed this interface from scratch. Yeah. This is not like anything I've necessarily seen before. Mm-hmm. So No, they for sure If you design it. this from scratch, design a button I can push mm-hmm. that says archives or yeah, notes or, something. or whatever. Yeah. You know? Or like, okay, so there were a few changes from when we did this between the, yeah. what, half year or so? Yeah, it's been a couple months. One of the changes that they had originally that I liked better was they do have in here a binder that's like mm-hmm. a repair guide for the yeah. thing. So like you can find a thing and you can be like, what's this? Oh, it's the flux capacitor. It goes here, you know, or yeah. whatever, whatever. But they had another binder that was all that information about mm-hmm. what type of ghost it is, you know, what kind of candy they like, whatever, you know. Yeah. And that was a separate binder that you could find later in like one of the lockers or uh-huh. checks or wherever. And they got rid of that and made it into a digital thing that you can't access. Yeah. Unless they access it for you. And I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, unless some other group came in before and somehow ruined that binder, but I don't see how you would do that. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it, other... it shouldn't be that hard to just print out like a few more pages, three hole punch them and slap them back uh, in. The other, there were two other differences I noticed too. So one, when we first, so when they first, you first come in and you're kind of waiting and then the game master leaves or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, they only had like kind of one light on, yeah. on the desk. And the binder was sitting right there under the light. So it's like the first thing you zone in on. Is on that. This time they actually had the binder hidden and it was in the in like a golf cart or yeah. whatever. So I was the one who like pulled it out and stuff. Well, I don't like that because the nice thing about before is even if you go, then you have to kind of move around and watch the video. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, okay, go back to that binder. Because it was that this bright white binder that you like all you can focus on. Yeah, and it's a nice and intro to the thing. Like, here's, here's where you what you should start. Here's what we're looking for. Here's what, yeah. Everyone spread out. Look for a doohickey that's kind of in a Y shape. Yeah. 
because that's what we're looking for. Yeah, exactly. So it really kind of set up, here's your objective. Here's the things you are looking for. Here's how they work. So it's kind of a nice intro to the room. By hiding that and not having it until someone finds it later, it kind it's of... It's kind of silly. It's a little scattered and it makes you uncertain of what, what your objective is and what you're looking for. Right. Um, so... In fact, I don't even know, other than that I had Mm pre-knowledge, I don't know how we even would know to find those little things that you have to find. Yeah. Um, Other than that, you just start finding them and you're like, what are these? But yeah, you would find like a cylinder or like this weird shaped thing and you'd be like, I I guess I need this. And there's a lot of things in this room. Like it's a very, it's got a lot of sort of clutter in a way. Mm -hmm. So like it would be hard to discern in a way what's necessary and what's not necessary. Meanwhile, they do have some other puzzles in there, like the maze through the crates. Yeah, I won't give that's... away anything more, but maze through crates is a pretty fun puzzle. Yeah, that's clever. One of the things that we don't love, too, is there's one thing where you have to just sort of guess. You just have to keep, like, flipping things until you get the right combination. I, I don't like so that. So we never really love those because there's no there's no skill to it. There's no rhyme or reason. It's just random. Like, or, like, you know. If, if you even made it where, it's like. It's trial and error. Yeah, you know, I mean. Give me some kind of a reason why this is. And, Give me, like, notes, like, you know, yeah. about, like, oh, number two has always been shoddy, number five. Well, you know. and this goes back to what I'm saying about how there's no kind of flow to things. Yeah. Is both times now, and granted, we've done this room before. Yeah. We had to ask them, like, how does this work? Yeah. Because, like, we're trying to flip things and nothing's changing and we can't figure it out. And it's kind of like, oh, well, you have to, like flip this and then you have to keep flipping them like it was just it doesn't make sense if you just are looking at it you you were not given anything to tell you what you should do yeah it's just like you have to somehow f- like blindly fumble your way blindly through it fumble which is literally what the puzzle it. is yeah and, and it's just it, a time it's suck. like i'm on this side of the room you know messing with all these like like plugging in these wires you know into yeah. like this huge like it's like picture one of those um like old like operator switchboard things, uh-huh. you know. I'm just plug. Does that plug work? No. Does that plug work? No. And you have to constantly just shout back to me like, no, no, that was bad. Don't undo that one. Yeah. Or that's good. Leave it. You know. But the the thing but is, there's nothing like, for me to tell me like what is good, what is bad. Well, yeah, but and then even that sometimes things that are bad, you actually want to leave them on. Yeah. And so that's what doesn't make sense about it is that you know you're like okay no that one's not good no that one's not good but like you're supposed to leave those on for it's, some it's reason. It's like balancing a charge where you yeah. can't be overcharged. You can't be undercharged. Yeah, it's you have to be just, like, just right. Like I said, there's no, there's nothing that tells you that. There's no explanation. There's nothing to like lead you to that information. Uh, it just and feels it, like it something. It just makes sense. Like I said, that in this world, whoever made this would have scattered around the place that uh-huh. you can discover these notes. Yeah, about, to kind of like, help you. Because okay, think about like when your dad had a fuse box. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're younger, like he didn't just leave the fuses unlabeled. He labeled. Or if you live in my house, they labeled them incorrectly, right. which is how we ended up breaking a couple things because they labeled them incorrectly and we thought we had shut them off. Right. But I'm <laughs> saying like, you know, after you learn that lesson, yeah. then you go back and you make notes as to, mm-hmm. okay, number one actually goes to the living room, not the kitchen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so you, there should have been notes. Like how great would that yeah. be if it was labeled incorrectly, like this whole switchboard, uh-huh. operator switchboard, if it's labeled incorrectly and then you find notes going like, no, number two is actually number five. Yeah. Well, you know. yeah, and I like the idea of you're doing something, and I have to be over here looking at it. And telling I, I you do the like results. that. I like that. But I just blind don't, guessing sucks. Yeah, I don't like the blind guessing, and I don't like the fact that 
you don't even know that, oh, if it comes up negative, you actually want to leave it that way and things like that. Like, it's just there needs to be something more. It just really feels like mm. something that made a lot of sense to the puzzle maker yeah. and wasn't beta tested to where other people are like, no, this doesn't make sense to me. Um, one of the, like one of the things I always hearken back to is the owners of um, Crossroads. It's a husband and wife who own Crossroads. Mm -hmm. And they both come from the theater world where they created set designs. And so they're both very, especially the wife, she's an artist. She's very artsy. Yeah. And I remember hearing her say one time that the first time they like beta tested this room, um, they, you know, they think, okay, we, we've got everything good, good, good. We get these people in to beta test it. And they were like, none of this, this doesn't make any sense to us because it made sense to them because like they're artists and mm -hmm. that part of their brain, but it didn't make sense to other people. Yeah. And that's why you beta test. And the first time we did this room, we, essentially we was felt beta like beta testers. We've, we were beta testers who thought we were just paying for a normal room. Um, upon our second one, you know, yes, we had this terrible experience with these people, um, but they aside from that the room they fixed a couple things but there's still this inherent problem where the room doesn't flow at all yeah. and it, it's just scattered and which is amazing since the first room that they had is so good yeah. yeah and once again that one is also kind of like a web you can technically go off in different directions yeah they try to have you go off in just one direction mm -hmm. with or like a set order which is kind of cruddy because you have this cool like ghostbusters like evp detector thing uh -huh. you know but, like, it only activates for, like, the next part of the puzzle. Not, like, if you accidentally sweep it over, like, some other part uh -huh. or, like, other puzzle, it's not going to go off because it's probably literally a guy in the booth just, like, now. Because, yeah, like, that's I'm the not puzzle. Sure. But, like, it should be, like, have some kind of RF chip in there or something mm -hmm. that, like, goes off whenever it's near one it, of them. It might be. I don't know how it works. I, no, it wasn't because I remember specifically going over one section uh, where there was a thing. Mm -hmm. Nothing. But then I come back later when it's time to grab that one, and then all of a sudden, boom. Mm, so okay. it's just, it's kind of, uh, yeah. but they, but still, that room is phenomenally better than this one. And considering yeah, the fact that yeah. we waited, like, three years. Yeah, and I mean, it has some interesting tech, like this whole interface machine that they built is cool. But it still but has like, problems. It still has problems. One of the things I was happy to see is they have, like, what looks like um, a vending machine in there. Mm -hmm. That is like the inside of the vending machine part. It just looks foggy. You can't really see in there. And they had told us at the time we first did it that they were going to have like where it looked like a ghost or something. Yeah. I did see that they finally did that. It, it I appears never saw it. it appears very infrequently low. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I did see it at one point and was like, okay, cool. They got that working. I did feel like this time the room was brighter. It was because the last time, the first time we did it, it was like pitch black in there. Yeah, it was really And we dark. had flashlights. It kept dying. Yeah. Thankfully, they've. They addressed the flashlights. They gave us a lot of flashlights. And they yeah. were all, like, super well-charged. Yeah. But at the same time, there was kind of, like, a low-level light in there anyways. Yeah, where we didn't really need them that much. The kind where, like, if you're... If you take five minutes to adjust, you could probably make your way around the room without uh -huh. bumping into anything. Yeah, I just felt like since we did have good working flashlights, and we had so many of them, mm -hmm. they gave us more than we actually even needed. Yeah. Um, I felt like the room was a little too bright, so it kind of ruined that scary... Yeah, because the first uh, time ...reliance we did it, kind of... The, on like, one another yeah, the first time that we did it and you described it beautifully by the way uh when we first came in how there is a table which is this light shining on this binder yeah it's just a little desolate. clearly highlighting that this is important and the rest of the room is pitch black yeah they do walk us over to like the containment unit where that, like there's video the plays. video plays but then like we're left alone and, like yeah we have flashlights in our hand but the rest of the room is kept in secret 
shrouded in mystery yeah, and darkness. Yeah, and it, so it guides and you back to that. it's up to us to, to find our way back to that light and to explore the space. And it looks way creepy when it's pitch black except for what you're shining a light onto. Mm-hmm. But in here where you can kind of just see everything around you anyways, yeah. it kind of kills that atmosphere a little bit. Yeah, you know? and also, like, and I can't tell if it was because there were so many of us and, like, they were the other group was kind of loud. But last time, I remember they had a lot of, like, sounds going like around yeah. you in different parts of the it's, room it felt a lot and, more haunted like, there were like all of a sudden all the barrels will start shaking and mm-hmm. making a lot of noise and stuff and like it was very um di- you know neither of us are the type that we don't scare very easy in these yeah. rooms but it was very dis- discerning and like it would set you off guard like whoa what was yeah. that what was that you know you think and, you saw something move in the corner of your yeah eye. and also like you you're about to talk and then all of a sudden like it's like ah you know yeah. and you're like oh okay I didn't notice that as much, and it definitely, like, no. it took away from that, like, creepy vibe to the room. You know what I think happened? Mm-hmm. Because I think all those special effects are probably cued by the game masters probably. and the tech guys behind the scenes. I think they were just so furiously writing down everything the other group broke. Yeah, yeah, and... And, and like, um, starting up, like, their legal contracts of, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. we are suing you for the fine of $300. They, they looked... The, the game masters looked pretty pissed when they came back in and, like, were trying to reset stuff. Yeah. Um, and I definitely felt bad for them. Um, what was funny, though, is we... So we get out of the room, and, like... And that's we don't know what to... to yeah. Well, yeah, then they get chatty. And... You know, we don't know what to expect because, like, this has not been, like, a great experience. Yes, we escaped. And we escaped fast, but that was because we just wanted to get out of there. Um, we were essentially, like, on a blind date and we didn't... The way to ask, do you want dessert? And we said no. Yeah. Um, but then they're like, oh, man, wasn't that a terrible room? And it's like... It was, no, it was kind of a, funny It's at not first. a great room, but it's a good room. It's not a great room, but it's not, like, the worst. And it wasn't terrible, terrible. But, like, part of the reason, part of the reason it wasn't good is because of them. So it was kind of like... We both, none of us knew how to, like, react to that. We were like, um, well, it's not that bad. And they were like, oh, well, we, we've only done one other room. And, like, it was yesterday. And it was, you know, so great and everything. Um, and we want to do more. This is so great. And, like, that was also weird because, once again, they weren't interested in escape rooms at all. They were just breaking things. They weren't interested in puzzle solving. So it was like, oh, like, you you are into this like you want to keep doing these you don't seem like you're especially the the boy yeah and so they were like well what rooms can you recommend and stuff and then they're like well we only want to do scary and that right there was like oh okay oh you're that kind of person yeah exactly basically they only want to do scary because they aren't interested in escape rooms technically what they want is haunted houses yeah like that's why they weren't interested in puzzles and stuff. And it was kind of funny because at first we were like, well, there's a couple like scary rooms, you know. I mean, that's like, we do scary rooms, but that's definitely not our favorite theme. We're more into like the themes that are different. And, yeah, more you know. engaging. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because we recommended one room that it's not super scary, but we're like, oh, well, it's a good room and it's kind of scary or whatever. And then later, like, I felt really bad because I was like, We've met those owners, and, like, I do not wish these people on them. (laughs) So, yeah. It was definitely, like, we don't hate having to be paired with strangers, but this was definitely, like, oh, this is the worst-case scenario right here. It really was. Like, And what's funny is that we've always heard stories about, man, there's this group in here of, like, a bunch of frat guys, and they were just, like, busting open things. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those, like, almost like a myth yeah, you well, know, yeah, like, we've never seen it, right? We've never seen it, but, like, 
Oh, okay, yeah, sure, there's giants. We believe you. Okay, there's giants. Yeah. You know? And we're thinking, like, okay, maybe it's just a really tall guy, not, like, a giant. <laughs> they were giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's funny, because, yeah, we've heard crazy stories about people breaking things, people doing crazy things. Like, um, one room owner told us once that someone, like, drop-kicked the door. And, and now I totally get it. Yeah, and we're like, okay, th- th- that was these people. Like, even if we told them, no, you don't need to do that, they were bound and determined, like, no, this is how we're going to do it. I know at one point when we the barrel, like I said, the barrel became their focus. It reminded me of that time we did a room with a kid and all he could focus on was the directional, directional lock. lock. Yeah. Um, they were like that. They were like the kid with the directional lock where they all, you know, oh, we have to get this thing out of this barrel. It's the only thing that's important. Um, and they kept trying to like fish things out. And our friend, she said to them, she's like, they're going to give us something like that, that's not the they're way they're going to ask like, you to invent something yeah that's not how you're going to get it out and they said well how how else are we going to get it out and she's like there will be something in here and sure enough yes later just because on, you haven't found it yet yeah later on you find a rope and a magnet like <laughs> surprise 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 they didn't just put that key down there for no reason <laughs> So that was our nightmare. Yeah, it was a nightmare. But hopefully the next room will be more of a dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this was um, Ghost Chamber at Wires and Wizards. Um, not not their best room out of two. Not the best room. I wouldn't highly recommend okay, it. Okay, I will say this. Take away the bad experiences we've had on both ends. Mm-hmm. Where it was a beta test and where it was with a bad group of people. Yeah. If you give this room a fair judgment, a fair rating, it's a three out of five. It's not the greatest. It's Maybe. not the absolute worst. Yeah. It does have some interesting puzzles. It has a unique idea of you need to fix this thing yeah. in an hour. I do like but it. So much of it's not really puzzle based, dear. It's so much of it is just you need to find this and plug it in. No, I, I appreciate that. So that's the, why I'm but like. But the thing uh, is, like, the puzzle itself, I think is the machine because mm-hmm. you do have this instruction manual of like here's how these pieces go in here's how to like connect this up here's how to work this thing mm-hmm. so that's it's pretty much like yeah it's one big puzzle but you're fighting to get all the pieces yeah so it's i kind of appreciate it for that you know mm-hmm. that's fine because then we're constantly coming back to the one thing we're so used to having you open this one lock for this one box and you just shove all that aside because yeah. that's done. I solved mm-hmm. that puzzle. But yeah. here it's it's one big puzzle and you're getting the pieces. So yeah. I, I do like that. It's interesting. Granted, this is not in the, my top 20 no. for favorite rooms, but I think if you are willing to have a really cool night mm-hmm. and you do a back-to-back experience, yeah, then essentially you're doing the full Ghostbusters mm-hmm. because like I said, this room is very much you're fixing the ecto-containment unit yeah. from the Ghostbusters like you know, firehouse. Uh-huh. And in the second one, they give you what is essentially the EKG meter. Yeah. And you're hunting ghosts in this... Um, like, like antique store. Yeah, thank you. Antique store. So you're the only thing you're missing is the proton packs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, like, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it... Like, it has merit. It's just... It's not... Of their two rooms, this isn't the better one. Yeah. I think their other room... Even as first generation as their other room is Mm -hmm. i still think it's a fairly decent room yeah um i think this room has a ton of potential i just feel like there's yeah yeah, exactly and i think they made some improvements since the first time we did it but they also have some steps steps back and it's just like that they have all the components it's just missing a couple things and then it would be a really good room and it's a cool space Mm. it's creepy 
Um, if you want kind of a scary experience, it, it's good. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just missing something. Just, I would definitely recommend this, but only to smaller groups. Because yeah, also, no. like eight, you said, eight I think, was too much. I think also having eight people there with flashlights everywhere, it's too much light, much light pollution in the mm-hmm. room. Yeah. And I think one of the characteristics this room needs is darkness. Yeah. Just like how we talked about the Krampus room so long ago. Yeah. One of the elements in there, one of the tools that you get is light and as you progress mm. to the room you earn more light yeah in here darkness is always surrounding you and you're trying to peer your way through yeah. but if you have eight flashlights everywhere and it's all like illuminating the room through like yeah. just the ambient glow then that's gone yeah and it really requires you to sort of work together in mm. smaller groups because light is such a resource and yeah know? if light is such a resource and i can't do this with mm-hmm. one hand i need yeah. you to come and hold the light for me yeah yeah, so, you know, it's not one of our highest recommendations, but I'm not going to say discount it altogether. Yeah, exactly. Do it if you want a Ghostbusters experience. Yeah, and you're in Riverside. <laughs> and only do it if you have a group of no bigger than four. Yeah. I wouldn't travel out of your way for this room. No. That's what I'll say. Yeah, yeah. No. You this know, is... if you are in Riverside, okay. But I wouldn't drive from L.A. to come do this room. No. Do the 60 hours instead. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of other good rooms there. There's other good rooms, I'd say, in Riverside even before, you know, this one. Yeah, but, but still, like I said, as a double room compared mm-hmm. with their, paired with their other one, I think it's worth it. Yeah. Just um, watch out for that really gross uh, waiting room that they have oh. in the outside little in the, alleyway. In the back alley. Yeah, that's the other thing is um, if you follow our Instagram account, you'll see how... Um, how I posted about sometimes escape rooms require us to just go into random back alleys. And that was what I was talking about. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and move on then from a lesser than favorite escape room to our Friday favorites. Okay. So I think for my Friday favorite this time, um, I am, because it is uh, that time of year, and it, it things we want things a little bit more spooky. Um, I am going to pick Mysterium because I think of all of our kind of spooky games, that's one of my favorite um, atmospheric and spooky games where you're essentially, and I know we've talked about it at length before, but you are essentially um, having a seance and a ghost is um, communicating to you through just cards um, who the murderer is, what they murdered them with, and where. It's I always say it's um, a grown-up version of Clue. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> or a better version of Clue. I would love to do an actual thematic version of that where uh-huh. we like, turn the lights off, just light some candles, uh-huh. yeah. play some spooky music. Yeah, I don't know if we'll have a Halloween party this year, but if we do, that might be a fun thing to do. Yeah, right? Um, my Friday favorite is actually a new thing I just discovered. Mm-hmm. It is this RPG in which you are uh, essentially kind of like X-Men. You're like people who like have a mutant power or like a superpower, uh-huh. except you're in the roaring 20s during like Prohibition. Mm-hmm. So you have like bootleggers that can shoot lightning or like cops who can like, you know, manipulate other people's emotions uh-huh. and stuff like that. And it's called Capers and it's by Craig Campbell. Mm-hmm. And it was on Kickstarter. It got fully funded. They've already released a couple books for it. Um, the thing I really like about it is the system because so many RPGs out there use dice, yeah, you roll dice for this and that. This one uses a regular deck of playing cards. Yeah, and it, I, I really like when you were explaining it to me. I was like, oh, this is this is easy, and it has a nice randomness to mm-hmm. it. Because the fun thing is, like, 
with a dice, you can technically speaking have an infinite number of 20s yeah. on there. So it's infinite number of successes. But with a deck of cards, if you haven't reshuffled it, you only have so many options left. Mm-hmm. And what's really neat about it is that there's kind of a gambling aspect where if I say you need an eight or higher to succeed, you flip over and you get to flip over three cards yeah. for this particular set or skill because based upon what your stats are. Okay, that says you can flip over three cards. You flip over one and let's say it's a seven. Well, that's not going to do it. So now you have to flip over another card. Now let's say it's a 10, but it's also a clubs. And in this game, clubs is actually a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It means that something is going to go wrong. So like, let's say you're trying to break down a door, Mm -hmm. right? Whether you break down the door or not, if it's a clubs, you're still going to throw out your shoulder. Yeah. Like that's going to happen. Whether the door goes down or not, your shoulder will go out. Uh or, Or you're picking a lock your number is high enough that you actually do it. But then your but tool snaps off. Your tool snaps off or someone hears you or... So yeah, you know. so it's it's like adding a complication to it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that I like that. How, like, you can still technically succeed. I can flip over the king of clubs. Mm-hmm. I still beat that eight that I had to hit, but I'm still going to have some kind of a foul up. Yeah. So, like, you can take that. You can be like, that was my second card. I got the king of clubs. Do I want to accept the risk of whatever bad's going to happen along with my success? Or do I want to gamble one more time Try to flip over that third card and hope it's anything but clubs and a number high enough that I need to hit. And it's like that, ugh, I don't know what to do. I don't yeah. know what to do. Yeah, I mean, it, because with a dice roll, a dice is you roll it and that's it. And that's it, you're done. Yeah. You don't have any more control over it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, like you do have like pluses you can add to it. Yeah, and or, or every once in a while, you know, depending on what system you're doing, maybe you have a re-roll ability you can mm. do every now and then. But, but the thing I like, like about like this, gambling this sense. boils down the numbers to very simple. Mm-hmm. Like numbers never go above five. Yeah. There's, you're never going to go above five cards in here. Or at the very outset, six, mm-hmm. you know. And it's not dealing with pluses and minuses. It's what do you have on the table right now. Mm-hmm. That's what you're dealing with. There's no other additional math needed, you know, and I really like that. Yeah. Plus, it's ways that you can kind of change your game up to, like, boost up your powers temporarily, but you have to sacrifice cards. And overall, it's just awesome. And the other thing I really do enjoy is they have this point system called Moxie, mm-hmm. which normally is, like, action points. Um, or like adrenaline surges in other games, we're like, oh, you can take an extra action. We've seen those plenty of times before. And you usually have to do things to earn those points. But in this game, Moxie can also be used to help the, the dungeon master describe the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say you're trying to sneak into a warehouse full of like illegal hooch, right? Mm-hmm. And you really could use like some kind of a loading dock, like, you know, jack. To help you get stuff around and like uh-huh. the DM didn't describe it you can use the point of moxie like no that is there mm-hmm. and then now your plan that you had that involves that loading dock jack can now come into fruition because you were able to uh-huh. put it there which i like that you can actually have some influence over how the story lays out what's actually available to you what tools you have so i think that's pretty fantastic yeah and we haven't gotten a chance to play it as a group yet but it's on our rotation mm-hmm. because something that i think we've mentioned before is how we We've gone to a system now where rather than us all come together and try to decide what we're going to play for game night, um, we actually have a rotating pick where one night it's my pick, one night it's Greg's pick, one night it's our friend's pick, um, and it just goes in a, a series like that. And so the next one we have is Greg's pick. Yeah, and when it's your pick, you can pick whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah. 
unless someone like really hardcore makes an objection like mm-hmm. my, i'm just too brain dead for that game tonight. yeah i'm sorry that's the, and that's understandable sometimes yeah. you've had a rough day and sometimes what we'll do is like sometimes if it's like say my pick or something i might say i want to play one of these two games which one do you guys want to play? and that's fair it has too. to be one yeah. of these two but you guys can tell me which but one essentially you are lord of game night that yeah night, exactly you are the one who gets final say in the games that get played yeah so. Yeah, it just we made it because we were constantly running into that problem where no one could decide. Yeah, and that way, no one one person gets to be the decider, and they don't have to feel bad about. Plus, kind of when doing you know that. ahead of time that you're the one who's going to decide, you usually you spend pick it. time thinking about what do I want to play. Yeah, and also if it's not a game, like there's been times where you know I really want to play the Harry Potter game, so I we don't own that, but our friend does, so we'll make sure to let him know. Hey. When you come to game night, bring, bring it because yeah. that's what we want to play tonight. Exactly. So that's another little tip. So it's on. I'm next uh, for that, which should be the first week, the first weekend of October mm-hmm. um, when this drops. Yeah. So we'll be probably playing this when this drops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're looking forward to that because we haven't played an RPG in a while. Yeah. We got to set up a regular RPG night. Right? Yeah, I know we do. Um, okay, I think that does it for this episode. Music for this episode was provided by bensound.com. As always, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. However, rates and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated as it helps new listeners find our podcast. We can be found at Game Friday um, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, where we post about our games and things like that. So please come and talk games with us. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Happy Halloween. Be safe out there.